Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Morbidly Deceased podcast. I am your host, JT McCallum, and I am joined today by Mr. Walt Flanagan of Tell Him Steve Dave fame, as well as um, a comic book artist and the star of AMC's Comic Book Men. Uh, how are you doing today, Walt? Doing very well. Thank you. Perfect. Um, so we were kind of talking just a little bit um, about my introduction to Kiss because you and I, as I was talking about, uh, are... Uh, very similar in certain ways. Um, so I just kind of want to get some ideas basically about, uh, obviously you're here today to talk about the new comic book from Blue Juice Comics um, called Knights of the Fifth Dimension. Um, the cover that I've been seeing posted all over Facebook is very Kiss heavy. Uh, it's like an homage <laughs> to, to the, uh, the classic Kiss uh, Marvel comic book. Um, so first, I'm, let's just do a couple of deep dives here. So like, when were you introduced to Kiss? Was it a part of the osmosis of the culture or? Uh, for me, I was introduced to Kiss in small clips, maybe on the news or somehow on television I, I saw I can my earliest memories are seeing these four monsters uh like they looked like to me when I was little like you know with lit really you know like uh, there it was concert footage so it was lit very uh like um with very like artistically and Gene's face was bathed in a green light he was spitting blood and they look terrifying to me and look like something that I would not um, like they unnerved me as a little kid. And so I, I was, I always thought like that, the, whatever music that these guys are producing was probably so terrifying that I, I didn't even want to, I told myself I probably would not be able to withstand hearing it. <laughs> uh, I moved uh, to a new town and there was a, a one of the kids in my class had was a huge kiss collector like like for his age it was like astonishing how much kiss stuff he had he had hundreds of the rock and roll magazines of the day he had the kiss migo dolls he had all the albums he just lived eat and breathed kiss and that's where i first heard them when you know at his house and I just fell in love with them there. And it was that magazine too. Like you mentioned the Marvel comics, super special number one that I, I had gotten that even before I heard them. But when I saw kiss interacting with the Marvel universe, which I was already enthralled with at that point in 77, I think that was, um, it was, it was the perfect combination for me, like of, you know, comic books and music and the larger than life, characters that they were on stage I, I just fell in love with it and I there's been times where you know I've, I've, I've kind of my interest has waned here and there but I never fully gave up on them uh throughout my whole life you know, I can't say that I was I bought every album when it first came out there was like a couple albums that uh I own every album but I didn't buy them like the first day they were released there was some there was a couple years where I kind of just kind of was like yeah I'll get around to it but you know now, as I even get older, though, like I look back and all that stuff, like I even devour anything Kiss now, like from the from the vintage era, like yes. the collectibles and shit. Yeah. yeah. Like the stuff they're putting out now, I, I couldn't be bothered with. But no, like exactly. the vintage stuff from the 70s. Yeah, that stuff is still so, so cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like, yeah, that's great. Like 
back in the day, like they had like awesome collectibles versus now where they like, it's such a joke that they make uh, more <laughs> merchandise than music. But I mean, like it's it, partly true. Like I, I'm a hardcore kiss defender, which I'm sure you are too, especially when like, yeah. Right. So like, people will come up to me like we were talking about like I'm quite a bit younger than you so I had to defend Kiss twice as hard probably because of the generational gap whereas at least it was cool to like Kiss when when you were getting into them whereas it's definitely not cool when they were pushing 40 years at that point right no Um, no. yeah I could imagine yeah like I said uh you had to convince a lot of your friends that you know you know what you were listening to was worth listening to yeah exactly and it, it kind of rubbed off on them like when they would watch videos of um like uh from black diamond where peter's uh drums uh levitate to the ceiling they're like oh, okay that's that's cool i i kind of get what you, where you're coming from with that right so it's i i find that a lot of the time it's more so the spectacle than the music but i go hard on the music because like gene and paul always say like it's you don't listen with your eyes you listen with your ears and I, I really think that not all the songs aren't perfect but i do think they're that they are a much better band than they get credit for which i'm sure you'll agree with yeah yeah definitely i mean like you said if you go back and you show somebody that from 1974 to 79 you know they were they were putting out shit that the whole world was into basically almost the whole world (laughs) right so like yeah there's a reason why it wasn't just the makeup so you know people will be like yeah it was a gimmick yeah it was a gimmick but that gimmick would have wouldn't have lasted as long as it did if if there wasn't some some other things to enjoy about the band and you know some of the some of those songs are still stand the test of time still sound fresh today like deuce black diamond yeah were you disappointed the first time you actually heard them and they weren't as satanic as you thought <laughs> they were going to be? Um, no, no, no. At, by the time I had first seen them until when I actually listened to them, it had been at least a, a couple years. So I, I had grown a little bit. So I wasn't as timid uh, into thinking that like, oh boy, I won't be able to handle this. And plus I said, I was over at a friend's house. So I had to like <laughs> man up right. at, the, at the tender age of 10 and not be like, I'm too scared to listen to kids. I had to be like, Oh yeah, this is awesome. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But like, that's the thing is like a a lot of people too, like they think that they're going to, because of their image, they think it's going to be like some crazy like death metal band. And like, aside from something like parasite or even she, which sounds kind of otherworldly, a lot of the songs like come on and love me, which are great rock songs, but it doesn't really a hundred percent fit the image that they were being at the time. Right. 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 Um, the next thing that I want to ask you about, um, I have like 13 quick questions about horror movies. As I mentioned, this is like a, well, not horror movies, period, but like horror things in general, because I'm assuming based on like the Tell em Steve Dave Halloween episodes that you are a horror fan. Um, so just give me one second. I'm just pulling up the okay. list here. Hold on. I, uh, hopefully they're they're uh, retro horror. I'm well, not, well, admit, it's, I'm not it, really into new horror. It's not trivia. It's questions about um, about uh, like what. Um, sorry, hold on one second. I'm just bringing it up here. Okay. So this is, yeah, so it's not trivia. It's just uh, questions about like horror things in general that I would love okay. to hear what you have to say. Uh, what was the first movie that scared you? 
gosh. Um, first movie that scared me. I, I remember um, having to leave, like, leave the theater when Jaws was playing. Right. It was a little bit too intense for me. And, you know, I was, I was, and, you know, I uh, have to say, it wasn't that young. I don't know what year that came out. 75, I think yeah. Jaws came out. So yeah. I was eight or nine. And so not, not that, not that young where I, I should have been able to withstand it, but it was the, it was the tension. Absolutely. It was like the, it, the suspense. And it was like, it was, it was a little bit too much for me to, uh, to deal with at that age. I was like the anticipation of the impending shark attack really <laughs> fucked with me. Right. And I was just like, it's too much. I can't right. deal with it. And my mom said, do you want to leave? You want to, cause we were, we saw it in a, in a theater in a mall and uh, or a strip mall. And she said, well, just go out shopping and uh, you know, we'll leave your father here so he can watch it. And I was like, yeah, let's just go out. I can't deal with it. Right. So I think it was Jaws. Really? That's funny. My yeah. mom has, has kind of a similar story because she saw it uh, at a drive-in with her parents. And um, the first, like, like you said, like the tension and the music's building. And she's like, oh, I can't, she's like three at the time. She was like, I can't watch this. And her, <laughs> and, and her dad was like, all right, well just close your eyes. And like, you don't like, we'll let you know when it's over. And then she ended up falling asleep through the whole movie. <laughs> so she didn't get to actually see Jaws in the theaters, like the, for the first run. Um, what was the recent movie that really got under your skin? If any, like, I know you're saying like, you're not really like a, into the recent horror movies, but was there anything recently that's. Oh gosh recent horror movie that got to me i I, wow i'm gonna have to be like i said i'm not i'm not really a devourer of of new content i I kind of feel like it's like new music right (laughs) feel like it's passed me by right (laughs) um yeah i don't i couldn't even tell you like the last horror movie that i recall seeing uh let me go back to that one let me go to number three Okay. Um, wh- who's your favorite horror author? If you have one, do you read any horror books at all or no? Uh, I've read the, I've read some King books when in the eighties, um, a band called Anthrax put out an album called among the living. And there was a song called, uh, I think it was called among the living. And it was a song about Randall flag. And I looked up the liner notes, the lyrics to the song. Yeah. Cause I loved the song so much. And I saw that it was about this guy called Randall Flagg and the, the book The Stand. And um, that was the first time probably that I had read anything as long as, the, as uh, that book was, yeah. The Stand. <laughs> All because of that one metal song. That's I was crazy. like, I got to read this because this song is so okay. fucking awesome. Did it live up to your expectations? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I, I understood exactly why that they were, uh, you know, taking um that story and putting it to a, a killer thrash song right. uh I, but as far as like i don't know if i read a lot of pro stuff like but horror comic books you know like marv wolfman doug munch um alan moore mm-hmm. you know probably alan moore is my favorite horror writer when we hit the stuff he did on swamp thing right. i would definitely call that horror absolutely um, do you have a favorite horror book or uh, you can include a comic book if you want to? It's probably got to be Swamp Thing, you right. know, the Alan Moore run. And I also like the Rick Beach um, run that followed the Alan Moore run. This guy had the unenviable task of following, you know, what, what many were considering the highest achievement in comic book 
art ever, you know, that, that Swamp Thing run with all the awards and everything. And this guy got the gig after that. And it was a tough act to follow. And he actually did some stuff that I still uh, think is so good. And I, it's a shame that it's never been collected properly. The, uh, and also he was not able to finish his run because he had, he had started this storyline where Swamp Thing was going to go back in time and meet all these characters from, from different points in DC history and took him all the way back to uh, where he was going to appear on the cross with, um, with Jesus. Like he was Moss on the cross right. <laughs> and he was going to show up at the point and DC was like, you cannot do that. And he left before finishing the uh, storyline right. in the eighties. And uh, I always thought that it would be cool if they let him finish it now, because back then, you know, that was some pretty sacrilegious stuff that probably would have angered a lot of people, but today nobody would even blink an eye. Yeah. Exactly. You know, put that fucking story out today, man. Nobody <laughs> would care. Nobody would be outraged. Right. It would. Yeah. So they should just let him finish it. If he even remembers what the storyline <laughs> was going to be. That would be pretty cool. Um, I know that you don't play a lot of video games, but do you have, like, is there a horror video game or anything that you've watched somebody play or anything like that, that uh, really sticks out to you at all? I used, I used to play house of the dead. I was going to say, you seem like a house of the dead guy. <laughs> yeah. It's just easy, you know, it's yeah. just like, it was simple. And it was yeah. like, I didn't have to learn a lot of uh, things. It's no, just, just shoot. Even shoot. Yeah. <laughs> and re-aim. But yeah, yeah, that was, that was probably one of the only horror games that I recall playing and, I think that I think I got that on home on one of the home systems, maybe, or something close to it, more right. like a zombie shooting game. I think like I know that it was on the Sega Dreamcast because we had that when I was a kid. I definitely played mm-hmm. that a lot. <laughs> um, do you have like a favorite uh, horror remake at all? Like any movie that? Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. The Thing. John yeah. Carpenter's The Thing, you know, yeah. the remake of The Thing from Another World. Uh, yeah, it's like you're not going to top a remake. I don't think. Right. I know there's probably stuff that I, I'm, I'm missing, but for yeah. me, yeah, that was the be all end all of like taking something, the foundation of that movie and turning it into something that just blew my mind. Do you like the original movie? Like the original thing from another world? I do. I can't say I like it, but oh, I had oh. seen it before. Right. I had seen it before, but I can't say that I was like, this is a great movie. They should never touch this. No, <laughs> like, no I didn't have that outrage. Right. Because um, I actually have a pretty cool experience where um, my sister and I got like a bootleg copy of it on VHS. Again, this is like 2010. And uh, our, our VCR was out in the garage. And this is like mid-November. And we went out to sit in the garage. So we had our winter jackets on and stuff. And we were <laughs> watching the original The Thing from Another World. And like, I don't know if it was just the tone, the atmosphere, like the fact that we were freezing our asses off while we're watching a movie about people freezing their asses off. But we all had a great time. And I've never been able to watch it since because i don't want to ruin the idea of how good it was to me in that moment so i i always think that it's great <laughs> but uh i know that if i was to revisit it it's probably not going to be as good <laughs> no well it's, it's not bad but it's but like john carpenter just really like took it and just like elevated like you know special effects and and the, just the mood of that movie is so so good it's like it's basically like a perfect movie for me anyway. Right. Absolutely. Um, do you have like a favorite uh, horror movie theme song at all or a TV show theme song? God, I love theme songs, but horror. Um, 
car theme song. I, I mean, to me, I like this, like one of my favorite scores, but it's not, it's not horror, but it's the, the road warrior. Okay, sure. Yeah, I love that. I listen to that score constantly and, but I, I wouldn't call that a horror movie though, but sure. that's really, <laughs> but there's so many horror movies, that, like scores that I like, I'll, but they're all like obscure movies that nobody's ever heard of though. Like what? Like Nighthawks. Oh, I don't know Nighthawks. <laughs> I, I, I was gonna you. say I, I was gonna you. say this is gonna be the audience, but I guess I was wrong. <laughs> Night Nighthawks was a Sylvester Stallone movie with Billy D. Williams. Okay. Where they were detectives in New York, and Rutger Hauer is a terrorist, and they okay. are given the assignment to uh, he's running around loose in New York, and they got to try to find him. And uh, the guy from ELP, uh, Emerson Lake and Palmer, does yeah. the score with all these weird synth organs. Okay. And it is just like, never heard anything like it before and never heard anything like it since. And I watched it on cable, like when I first got cable, like it was on basically every fucking night. It, right. it was on eight o'clock one night, the next night it'd be on at 10 o'clock and then so on just for a month or two months straight. I saw it about a hundred times. Right. But that score, <laughs> that score just is, uh, you know, something that I, I couldn't wait to acquire once the internet became a thing. Because <laughs> it was never available anywhere until somebody on the internet was selling a, a bootleg copy of it. Right. Um, this isn't part of the 13 questions, but now I just got to ask you. So if you're like a big uh, soundtrack guy, have you ever heard um, of the Italian band Goblin that scored yes. the Dario Argento oh. movies? Oh, wait a minute. You know what? I'm sorry. I was thinking of Orange Goblin. Oh, no. <laughs> um, I, I, I probably have, but I don't recall it. Have you heard of the have you heard of the movie Suspiria? Yes. OK, so they did the soundtrack for that. They also did the soundtrack for um half of the original dawn of the dead movie that they're like a prog synth band um from italy oh yes and yes, their I soundtracks the dawn of the dead. yeah, yeah. And, and their soundtracks kick a lot of ass so if, if you're into like synth stuff like that's definitely something to check out um okay. uh what's your fondest halloween memory well that's a good question um you know it could be one of the tell them steve dave projects one of the halloween episodes that you know in my adult life those would be up there like one like one of the ones that maybe came out you know like where i was so happy with it mm -hmm. uh, it could be you know just going walking around with my kids you know when they both were at that perfect age to be in costume and walk around right it could be one, it could be like memories of like you know going out with my like when i was a little kid going out with my mom and like scoring dollars you know like some, somebody was like crazy enough to give out a dollar like, <laughs> of these for halloween and right. then running right down to the drugstore and buying four comics right. with a dollar. <laughs> uh, so yeah that's a lot of good ha halloween memories um it's it's tough to pick one but right yeah that's definitely one of the uh best times of year though to look back on and and you know reminisce yeah absolutely um do you believe in ghosts no, no, I don't know. I don't believe in ghosts. I need to see more proof. Right. <laughs> I, I think after all this time, there'd be some tangible evidence, you know, uh, if that ghost exists. But yeah, right. uh, so I don't I don't believe in haunted houses. I don't believe in any of that nonsense. Right. right. <laughs> um, what creeps you out? Bugs, insects, <laughs> cr 
crawling on me when I'm sleeping. Right. <laughs> um, Jason, Freddie, or Michael? I got to admit, like, like I am not a, a slasher guy. Like, that's BQ. That's Bry. Yeah. Uh, they love that 80s shit. Like, I'm a universal monster guy. Like, right. I feel like they, these guys are kind of like the Johnny Come Latelys, if you want to call three, three, three right. guys from the 80s. Johnny Come <laughs> but if I had to pick one, who were my choices? Uh, Jason, Freddie, or Michael? No Leatherface? Not, you can say Leatherface if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I think Leatherface uh, is, is, the, is the 80s guy for me, though. Really? Yeah, so, just with the chainsaw yeah. and the family. And, yeah. Yeah, so, like the... Go ahead. When you said that you've never seen Halloween because you were saying that, that it's a slasher movie and all this stuff, I just want to tell you, because I'm a diehard Halloween fan, okay? Mm-hmm. The original film is not a slasher movie the way that you think of a slasher movie. The original film is purely suspense. It is beautifully shot by Dean Cundy, who also did The Thing. And honestly, I would check it out this October if I was you, (laughs) because it's not what you think it is. Okay. The sequels absolutely are, but the original film is not what you think it is. The only Halloween movie I've ever seen is number three. And, and I love three is, it. Three is great. I love Halloween three as well. I have all three of those masks sitting on my record player right this second. <laughs> oh, the, the Silver Shamrock Absolutely. Masks? Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I'm I, a diehard Halloween fan and I love three, but the original is not what you think it is. <laughs> okay. I will, I okay. will take that in consideration. Okay. Um, who's your favorite Universal Monster? Oh, man. I flip-flop, you know, you ask me this tomorrow, it may be a different answer, but today, Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster. Okay. Have you read the Frankenstein book at all? By Shelley? Yeah. Yeah. Did you like it or no? Uh, it's a little, uh, it's a little light on action. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I want to see the monster choking some village. You know, I, I Rather than but reading about all like how tormented he is, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. I totally get it. Um, I'd rather see Abbott and Costello run from him than read Mary <laughs> Shelley's book. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um. And lastly, what is the most memorable death scene in any horror movie that you can think of, or or you can say shock moment? Um. If that's what like if we're going like Universal monsters. Okay. Oh, Universal monsters. Sure. Yeah shock oh god there's not many shock moments in universal monsters uh, oh yes there are <laughs> okay name, name, me, name me your top universal monster shock moment where you okay, were like well, <gasps> maybe not shock from from today's standards but definitely shock <laughs> at the time um okay. but, but i would go back to like the first uh, lon cheney fan in the opera where she takes off the mask for the first time yeah even even when i at the in the 70s when i saw that or you know it just yeah it, i can't say that i'm like <gasps> so it's tough but as far as like oh god man you're this is tough like i am not that uh, much of a horror aficionado um, right. i have the ones that i dig a lot i guess it would be i, I think it would be the the shit in texas chainsaw 2 
one of those like what well, like one of those moments where the where the, the brothers are arguing with each other and it just like i'd never seen a movie like that where a horror movie where there was so much weird like captivating dialogue like like really bizarre dialogue and that just like really just shocked me into like because again i watched it on cable i didn't see that in, in the theaters but I was riveted by that dialogue in that movie. I know that movie is it didn't do well, but I, I, I'm sure it's got to be a cult status by now. Absolutely, Texas Absolutely. Chainsaw too. I know, like, it did not do well in when it was released. But man, I love that movie, and I remember telling Bry, I was like, "You got to watch this movie." <laughs> well, it's just like it's it, so different from the original, though. Yeah, that, that's, yeah. that's something that it, not a lot of people are prepared for, right? <laughs> you know, like top top and everything. Yeah. I have seen, you know, you know, maybe let me go back my current one. What was, what was the second question I, I had to skip? Uh, it was, uh, what's the most recent movie that's got under your skin? Mm, I was going to say one, like one of the Rob Zombie uh, House of a Thousand Corpses movies. That's got to be the most, one of the, like, I don't think I've seen any horror movies since. So Rob from Zombie's 16 movie. years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably the last horror movie I, I can recall seeing. Right. Straight um, up horror. Right. Um, another thing that uh, you and I have in common, like I was talking about, was uh, a love for Planet of the Apes. Um, I will never forget when my parents first explained to me that um, the chronological uh, mm-hmm. timeline of the movies, you like when it basically, you can start it, on escape from the planet of the apes and then follow go to escape to conquest to battle and then go back to the original beneath and then it's just a constant loop that blew my mind when i was seven years old that you can just <laughs> make it, like, put, put the movies in a circle and then keep just watching the movies play out um was that series like did that stick with you for life basically like that series at all or yeah that you know those characters you know roddy mcdowell uh, uh, I love those movies ever since I was little. I remember my mom taking me to the, the apathons, you know, where they would show like three of them yeah. in a row. Yeah. They didn't, they weren't able to show all of them in a row. Right. Because like, I guess they had night because we would go to matinees and we'd see like three of them. Right. And I just, like, I could watch those movies over and over and over again. Yeah. And I think the new ones, like those are, those are really well done movies too. I really enjoy the, uh, I like the new ones that they did. I liked Rise of the Planet of the Apes, but I didn't like the the Dawn one, and I didn't even see the third one because I wasn't a huge fan of it. Um, I'm gonna have to check them out again because I know that like that guy ended up going on to do the new Batman movie. Um, so I, I'm gonna have to check them out. Uh, maybe I'll appreciate them differently. Uh, yeah, I yeah, I, I said I I really thought he did a good job because again, it's like it's the inevitable. In- it's hard to do something. It's hard to take the, what is so beloved and try to put new spins on it, try to create something that is, you know, that is not disrespectful or that is can stand, you know, toe to toe with that shit from the seventies. And I thought this guy did a pretty damn good job. Right. And I even liked the TV series too. Like I, oh, I love the TV series. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. The, the yeah, intro, I watched the first used, run. The, the intro used to scare the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah. the, with, the, with that creepy um, uh, the music. Yeah. The... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I and... remember on Friday, uh, Fridays after school, 
you know, I don't know how I was very young and, you know, I knew Planet of the Apes was on. It was on channel two at eight o'clock. And I, I, if my mom had to be like, we got to go grocery shopping or we got to go do something, we'll be back in plenty of time. You know, we're leaving <laughs> at four o'clock. I would like have a meltdown and be like, no, what if we don't get home in time? And like, I basically like held her hostage right. by crying to be like, okay, we're not like, you know, we won't go anywhere until Planet of the Apes is over, <laughs> right. even though it was over at nine o'clock. And it was right. So, yeah, I remember having like, like the stress and the anxiety of like, we can't leave the house because I was terrified we wouldn't get back in time to watch Planet of the Apes. Right. That's so funny. <laughs> um, another thing too, just about Planet of the Apes is uh, I loved that all three of the characters that Roddy McDowell plays, like he's such a good actor in that series because each three character has their own distinct personality, like Cornelius <laughs> and Caesar and Galen are completely different like they act like cornelius is very he's scientific about things and practical and and caesar at first he's very uh naive and unsure about things and then you get galen which is just like it's a completely different character right he's no i, I wouldn't say comic relief necessarily but he's definitely the comic relief of that character of that series right so yeah he's, he's i agree such a great actor Okay, so uh, as I mentioned before, what you're really here to talk about today, aside from the other cool nerdy shit that we've been talking about, is uh, your new comic, uh, Knights of the Fifth Dimension. Um, first thing that I want to ask you is, when did you realize that your art was good enough that you could get paid for it? Because I'm sure that that was a, a good feeling. <laughs> um, I don't know if I've ever said to myself, I am good enough now to be paid for it. I really, I don't even know if I'll ever feel that way. There's, you know, there's always going to be that feeling of like, um, this isn't as good as what it, you know, what it should be, yada, yada, all the, all the things that I'm sure a lot of people who, whatever art they're doing, whether it be writing, drawing, you know, music, it's like, you never, there's a lot of people I, I think that just never feel that they're, they're up to snuff and, that's kind of how I've always felt. I enjoy doing it. I like, I get a lot of pleasure out of doing it, but I also never look at it and be like, Oh, I love this. You know, I mean, right. <laughs> it's good enough at times. And I, you know, and I, you know, that's where that's the kind of middle ground. I'm hoping just to like that. It doesn't get that. It isn't embarrassing. Right. You know, that, that's that's the that's the zone I'm going for. Right. Well, it's, it's definitely not. <laughs> like it's just just unnoticeable enough not to be trashed. <laughs> if, if no one talks about it, that's a good thing. <laughs> well, trust me, it's you're definitely a very good artist, and like your your inspirations are obviously um, they they shine through your art, like it. And I'm not just saying this because you're on the show right now, but like, I swear, like every time I see something that you've worked on, like I, it's very unique to you, but you can also see all of your inspirations shine through on it. Um, especially on like things like, for example, um, well, as we were talking about like the, uh, the, the kiss homage hundred percent, but like you've taken that and you've made it your own thing. Um, so I just want to say like, first of all, congratulations, like for, for making money off of something that you love to do, because a lot of people try to do stuff like that. Um, but, uh, you've actually done it. So congratulations. Oh, thank you. Oh, that. thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate uh, that. Yeah, yeah really. no, no, no problem. Um, so 
tell me about the new comic that's coming out. Like, what was the inspiration behind it? How did you get involved with it? Were you involved with it from the get-go? Were you involved with the creation of it? Like, mm-hmm. Okay, so it took me seven years to get this book finished and, and printed. So I started from back in 2014. I was working at the stash. Um, Mike and Ming, uh, guys who were on Comic Book Man, they, they started to really hit the con circuit hard every weekend. And they would come back from the conventions with bags of comic books that they were given by uh, independent creators. Mm-hmm. Guys who were in artist gallery, you know, hawking their own books, very small press stuff, very independent stuff. And they would bring back piles of this stuff and they would just leave it around the stash. And I grabbed a a pile, you know, maybe three or four books that they had brought back from a convention. And I took them, I would take them to lunch with me at the pizza parlor. I would just take them and read them. And there was one book called The Civil Four by guys named Casey Van Heel and Maxime. And it was a, a black and white book and it was set back, you know, back in the 1700s, you know, Civil War being about, you know, it was a tie in with the Civil War and everything. And I was very struck with the dialogue of the book. It sounded, sounded very like, you know, bombastic without sounding cliched. And I have never done this before or since. I, I, I looked at the, in the back of the book and I saw that there was an email to the writer, Casey. And I sent him an email going like, hey, I saw your stuff. I'd really dig it. Um, and that was it. I, I, I really didn't, I've never done that just to like, like send out something to a stranger that like I could, I've been wowed by tons of shit and right. I've never been prompted to go like, Oh, I'm going to send him an email. Right. <laughs> and I did. And, you know, he sent me an email back thanking me. We started talking about like, you know, what he, what comics he was into and turned out he was, he, he was younger than me. So like his introduction into comics was much later than mine was. But he kind of was familiar with the stuff I was into. And we kind of were like, you know, spitballing and like things that we dug. And I mentioned like, if you ever, you know, want to come up with something to, to work on, I go, you know, I'm not doing anything right now. And I, I enjoy, you know, at the end of the night, just like sitting down and just drawing, I said. And we started to, you know, bounce ideas off each other via email about a comic book we would like to do. And he sent me an email about, a detective who finds a, a sentient comic book at, at the site of a murder. He's a homicide detective. So the comic book is a living, breathing thing. And that kind of became the springboard to what uh, the Knights of the Fifth Dimension became, which was uh, like, it's kind of like a comic book that is more to it than just a normal comic book. It actually is, is being created in front of our eyes. And um, we just threw in, like he allowed me to just throw in any, anything that I love from the era, right. you know, that, that I like the silver to bronze age shit. And, yeah. you know, we came up with these characters, you know, the, the, and they all to me represented genres of comic books that were big when I got into comic books were like, so there was the one, the ghost character um, represents horror comics. The damn Yankee represents war comics. Uh, John 316 represents sci-fi comic books. And, Kriga Bundalo represents Jungle Comics, which, you know, 
not many jungle comics left nowadays. <laughs> right. But back then, when I got into comics, there was there was a lot of jungle characters, <laughs> and and the uh, Spiral Architect was just like you know one of those cosmic characters that I I love in comic books. You know, like this super powerful being that you know travels the spaceways and stuff. You know, stuff that I just devoured when I was a kid, and the concept is like that there's these knights of, of, of the five dimensions who have to battle this creature called Vanta black, who, who is trying to seep into the five dimensions and it breathes and lives off of self-doubt, um, despair, sadness, and lack of imagination in people. So in our dimension, which was, we call the real world, um, there's this, artist who's been drawing this comic book, The Knights of the Fifth Dimension, for his whole adult life. And he uses that comic book to ignite the imagination of kids. And he sold his, he sold the designs and everything, like this dirt cheap deal just to get it on on TV, make these, make these bad movies, (laughs) anything, anything to get the word out and to, and to spread the, the, the lore of the Knights. And it, it would keep, this creature at bay, but now he, this artist now is dying. He's, you know, he's in his eighties and he wants to pass the baton on to a, to a younger artist who he met when he was, uh, you know, when, when this artist was a teen and took him under his wing, but he's kind of lost his way and isn't in drawing comics anymore. So he's trying to recruit him to take uh, his place and create a new Knights to, to re-energize and to, you know, kind of ignite people's imaginations again in our in our dimension right that's a that's a really cool concept for a comic book <laughs> like that's, it, it sounds that's, like yeah it sounds like it comes from a stoner but no it's, uh, <laughs> no, <exactly>. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's really cool um Although i don't know i don't know i don't know i've only met case once so i'm i don't know uh, right. on my end yeah I, i'm not sure what he's into but right. uh, on my end yeah it's all straight edge shit right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly um it, was the artist on the front of the cover was that i mean i i could be reading into it but i know that obviously like jack kirby is a huge inspiration is that yeah. supposed oh, yeah. to look like jack kirby like the Absolutely. artist okay. yeah so. i definitely was like trying to hone in like i was going with like like what if jack kirby you know he if you do any any deep dive into kirby you, you you'll find out he was fucked over and he doesn't get the credit he deserves and, and yeah. for creating these like billion Steve, dollars. Steve Ditko too, right? Yeah. But yeah. like, I mean, Kirby was like, had, any, anything that's generating, you know, the billions that D, that Disney is making now yeah, is due to Kirby and nobody really knows his name. You know, the Stanley, of course, gets a lot of the props, but Kirby had got a raw deal mm-hmm. and it's kind of like, you know, at the end of his life, Kirby was, you know, not selling a lot of books, you know, he was kind of made fun of by the, by his peers in the industry for, you know, for being, um, not at the top of his game any longer. And it was a kind of like, wasn't a great ending, you know, for a guy who should be, you know, a fucking billion dollar statue should be on <laughs> Disney property right now for right. that dude. Exactly. So we, and I said, what if he had done it? I said to Casey, like, what if he, what if like, he had to do it because of for, for heroic reasons, you know, but right. if he had to like, 
give it all away, you know, in, in an effort to save our planet or something or save right. our dimension. So that basically where that germ came from, like, you know, if, what if it was for other reasons? Because we, we were going to do one where it was a little bit more sour and dour right. about re, kind of like real, um, kind of play upon the real tragedy that, you know, or, or, or crime that, uh, that Kirby doesn't get a lot of the, of the credit that he's deserved, but we kind of went with a little bit more lighter version yeah, of it for, uh, for our story. Yeah, absolutely. Did you ever meet Jack Kirby at all? Like at a no, never met him. I met Stan Lee a couple yeah. times. I met Stan Lee on the set of Mallrats in the nineties, yeah. and then he showed up uh, at the stash and we were filming Comic Book Man a few times. Fantastic human being, great dude. I mean, uh, the 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 legend. I don't want to diminish Stan Lee by saying anything, but. <laughs> about Kirby, but like, it's, sure. it's just reality. Kirby <laughs> is just as important, if not more important Absolutely. than Stan Lee. And just because I say that doesn't mean I don't, you know, uh, idolize and realize <laughs> sure. how important Stan Lee was. Exactly. Stan Lee was just the face of Marvel at that point. That's why he's so synonymous with... Well, yeah, he signed a great deal, you know, he figured <laughs> it out. He yep. figured it out and... You know, he, I'm sure he doesn't regret any of that, but maybe regrets not maybe going to bat more for Kirby, you know, maybe, maybe be a little bit harder, but yeah, I'm sure. Hopefully, uh, I know they're, you know, up in heaven, they're creating some fucking kick-ass shit that I can't wait, that I can't wait to read uh, many, 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 many years from now. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so how many issues is, is it a, a mini run or is it uh, like? It's four issues. The whole story is told in four issues. The first issue is in previews right now. I think it comes out in July. Mm -hmm. So if you're motivated to check it out, you can call your local comic book store and ask them to reserve a copy because I, I have my doubts if uh, stores are going to stock this, you know, where you can just walk in in July and it'll be there. You, you might want to like, ask your local comic store to, to reserve a copy for you yeah, in, in, sure. in, in case they, they don't, um, you know, stock it because you know, I know how difficult it is to run a comic book store. So I know that not everything is ordered some from these smaller companies, uh, like, right. like the, the one that the Knights is under. So I get it, but right. so hopefully if, if uh, people listening, if there are any who, uh, who want it, you know, they'll call their or let their local store know. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I, I like, honestly, like it's, it's such a, it's such a unique concept that I think that like it, it's different than anything else that's going on, at least in mainstream comics, right? Like currently, like that's it, but it's also the foundation of it. It's not too far separated from the typical superhero stuff, but it's, it's unique enough that it's different. Right. Yeah, like it, yeah, it I, I, I think so. That you're telling me, right. Right. I think if you, if, if you have any, um, affection for the early, early to late seventies and eighties comics, you're going to find at least one thing in every issue an Easter egg somewhere hidden there in the back or in the back of a background or in the foreground of a panel, there's going to be something that is like, Oh, I know where that, I know where that kind of came from. <laughs> I know what that's about. Right. So yeah, right. So that was fun to do. And like I said, it took me seven years to finish it. Yeah. So, and 
So yeah. obviously the, the relationship between you and the writer is pretty good then, right? I would assume. Oh my God. Well, like I said, I've only met Casey once, but I got to hand it to like seven years. And it wasn't because it's Casey that it took seven years. It was, it was all because of me. I would just get involved with another project like BQ and uh, Cullen Bunn came to me at one point when I was drawing this. I'm like, hey, we want you to draw this this comic book Metro for us. Yeah. And I, my dream was, you know, I always wanted to work with, with Q on something. So I was like, I, I'm not going to miss this opportunity, you know, to draw Q's first comic book. So right. I told Casey, I was like, I need a break. I need a, I need a while to finish this. Right. And then, you know, and then the guy who I, who was the, um, the model who modeled for me for, for one of the characters in the book, a good friend of mine, a great friend of mine who worked at the stash, Mark Costello, he was, he would pose for all the pictures like that. I would, you know, during the day at work, me and him would, I would get together and be like, I need photos of you doing this, 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 and this. Right. And he would take the photos for me. And he was like, he is the, the, the look of his, you know, of the, one of the main characters. And he passed away in the middle of me drawing this. Right. Unexpectedly. And, I, I said I, I I can't finish. I I, I just feel, I just don't have any like energy to finish this now. You know, it was just hard to do because I would have to draw him over and over again to finish the book, and it would be very, you know, just take a lot out of me, you know, mentally to do that. And it was only because his wife um, found out about the comic book, and she said, you know, I'd really like you to finish it. And so, like, with her kind of giving me that. The blessing, yeah. The blessing almost to be like, okay, you can finish it. It won't be in, in bad taste to finish it. Right. And, you know, I, I tell you, initially when he, when he passed away, I was like, would it be in bad taste for me to finish this? But everybody that I spoke to was like, no, I, I think, you know, just to finish it would be a little bit of a tribute to, Absolutely. you know, to, to him. And, Absolutely. you know, it's dedicated to him. There's pictures of him, like, with me and him. In, in the back of the book of the, of the hardcover that we gave out for the Patreon. I don't know if there's pictures in the, uh, in the first issue. I think it is though. Right. For the newsstands or the comic book stands. Yeah. That's honestly, that's, that's a really cool thing. And like, it's good that you finished it because like you're saying, like the, a lot of the, of what you're saying sounds like you're almost making up for the way that real life panned out in terms of both Jack Kirby and in terms of Mark, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there was there there was a lot of back and forth. It took it took many, many, many months to pick it up and go, okay, I'm gonna get started on this again. I'm gonna try to finish it. Yeah. And you know, it was a lot of stop and go, stop and go. And Casey never, ever, ever sent me an email about like, hey, what's going on? Why right. is it taking so long? It which would have been way, way, way understandable. I, I cannot I would have been I would have had to apologize profusely if he ever sent one and being like, I'm sorry, it's right. all my fault. But right. he never did, which is, which is like, like I, I really was impressed by his patience and I'm thankful that, you know, he just wasn't like, fuck this. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He never did that. So yeah, I really hope that like, you know, something, you know, comes of this from, of this comic for him, you know, like maybe he gets to some door. I don't know if it will or it won't, but Right. No, I hope it does. Something something positive happens for him because of this. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, like, I... Obviously, like, I'm in the Tell Steve Dave groups on Facebook, but I haven't seen 
people go this excited for like a project that you've been involved like even like the cryptozoic man hasn't been pushed to this degree of excitement that uh that people have about this one so something feels different about this one than than the other ones so like just letting you know from reddit and facebook and all that stuff like it it feels different this time all right i'm glad to hear it yeah (laughs) all right um is there anything else you want to add to this walt Uh, i appreciate all the time that you've given me today Uh, anything uh, you want to say to wrap up or um i don't think so i think i've uh i think i covered it all it's like i said the book's coming out in july and if if you're into bronze age comic books uh hopefully you'll you'll dig it and i appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk about it yeah for sure aren't you going to a con soon oh yeah yeah okay. uh, uh, when does this come out uh it, i mean like probably friday yeah I'll be, if it comes out on friday I'm, I'm at megacon in florida i forgot i was going yeah i'm leaving <laughs> tomorrow but uh yeah i'll be at megacon there, like there there's going to be copies of the entire off we've done shit so differently than any than any publisher probably has ever done we actually have trade paperbacks and hard covers of the entire story wow for sale already because (laughs) it's a long story why that is but like the first issue is coming out on two comic book stores individually in july but 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 you can buy all four (laughs) comics has has completed trades already and hard covers of the entire story so you can get the whole thing uh, on bluejuicecomics.com and and at the con and at megacon in florida this weekend i'll be there um signing copies and drawing sketches if anybody wants them right that's in the book right that's awesome all right um if you, i would love if you would say uh our closing line for the show which is just uh say your name and then say like you've been listening to the morbidly deceased podcast and say have a spooky day <laughs> Okay. This is Walt Flanagan, and you're listening to the Morbidly Deceased podcast. And have a groovy day. Spooky. Oh. You want to redo it? <laughs> yeah, what was, it was Morbidly Deceased, right? Exactly. Yes. Okay. This is Walt Flanagan, and you're listening to the Morbidly Deceased podcast. Have a spooky day. <laughs>